Welcome back to the 31st edition of Living a Whole Christian Life. This is Dr. Jim Schrader, and it's great to be back with you as we continue our series on food as it relates to God's design. Again, we've talked about the foundation, the framework of living a whole Christian life, but now we're really getting into the physical dimension. And this week, once again, we're going to take on the topic of diet and food as it relates to our Christian life. So I have to begin kind of growing up on the West Side as a young kid. It was really my first introduction to the pleasurable, the cultural, and I guess the utilitarian aspects of food. You know, as I grew up there, I was fortunate to have a mom that really valued the idea of nutrition as it related to our health. And generally, our, you know, our meals were pretty healthy at home, and we grew up kind of understanding that this was important for our physical selves. But at the same time, and I think like many of you listening out there, I was surrounded by a heritage, primarily a German Catholic heritage, that really <laughs> felt that ultimately meat and potatoes probably constituted a healthy diet in general. And on top of that, Germans love their salads. Now, this isn't of the roughage lettuce sort, but more of the, the type of salads that might be potato, right? There's two different types of potato salad I learned early on. Egg salad, cauliflower salad, macaroni salad, pasta salad. They love their pseudo salads, but they also love their casseroles. And, you know, that was something that was very rich. It was celebrated certainly among gatherings, but it was also, you know, something that was just part of a daily diet. And it was only later on that I would learn this wasn't exactly the healthy recipe in going forward. But like all of you out there, you've all had your early immersion into the cultural utilitarian aspects and just the pleasurable aspects of food. And I think one of the challenges as we go forward with this series about diet as it relates to living a whole Christian life is understanding the positive aspects of our early years, but also understanding those aspects by which may not be um, encouraging health and encouraging are the use of food as God designs. And I know that this can also be, you know, tricky conversations with family members or just tricky conversations in general when you've grown up in a certain way, but you recognize as you get older that that isn't necessarily supporting the health and, and just the habits in general that you want. But it's important. It's important to have these conversations. It's important to be aware, as I mentioned, in my own background. It's interesting, though, thousands of studies later, decades later, one thing that we're learning about our diets, as it really is according to God's design, is that being healthy is probably a lot simpler than we thought. And, you know, for all the fad diets that are out there, what we're learning more and more, and this is, I think, one of the things that, like, the Mediterranean diet typically honors best, among many of them, is that there's really two keys to a healthy diet, but really a, a key to diets according to kind of God's design. The one is that diets that are increased in whole foods and natural foods work so much better. And by natural foods, really what I'm talking about is it's something that either you can pull out of the ground or something that's lived at some point, or it's a combination of foods that come, you know, again, from natural growth. But if you look on the side of most cereal boxes, you're going to see a lot of ingredients that you have no idea, like xanthan gum, that you've ever heard of. And that's because, of course, it doesn't exist in an unprocessed form. So number one is what we're finding out more and more through the studies is that as you increase your diet in whole foods and kind of natural foods in general, so, so many things improve. The second is, although simple in concept and difficult execution, is just increased water intake overall to the exclusion of a lot of other liquids is incredibly important. And, you know, it's interesting. I, again, I've talked about these presentations I give to eighth graders every year, and I'll joke with them. I'll talk about, you know, what percentage of your body is water? 
And depending on the, the youngest of kids have the highest percentage of water. As we grow older, it gets a little bit less. But for the most part, all of us have at least 70% of our body is water. In essence, that's what we're made of, right? But I joke with these eighth graders, what percentage of your body is Coca-Cola or something like that? And they look at me like I'm really strange, like I've lost my mind, of course. But the answer is obviously 0%. And the point I'm trying to make there is that as we increase water intake, we're aligning with the design of our bodies. But as we increase the intake of other types of liquids, you know, again, as a treat, no big deal. But if they become the staple of our diet, it's not aligning with the way our body is developed, right? And that our body exists. So, you know, we'll talk more next week about barriers and overcoming barriers as we really pursue kind of a godly diet here. But what I want to say about barriers is that they do really exist, right? It might be related to some of the initial costs of foods that seem more expensive, or you might be living in what we call a food desert where you have limited options of good foods. But the key is that if food becomes a true priority and the way you're pursuing God's image and likeness for yourself, none of these barriers are insurmountable. In fact, as we find out, as we prioritize this more and more, we find out there's actually particular ways to, say, defray the concerns about cost or get around the issues of food deserts. But we have to see this as a priority, a priority in living our whole Christian life. And as I start talking about this, I do want to encourage you guys, there's a lot on my website, james-schrader.com, that I'll talk much more than I have available time here on the podcast. But another really tremendous resource is a book called The Better Brain, published in 2021 by Bonnie Kaplan and Julia Rutledge, who I'm both fortunate to know on a personal basis and have actually interviewed a number of times for some pieces that I've done. And I think it's just a great, great reference, uh, not only about the science behind the food, understanding the foods, the makeup, and how they can be used well, but even providing low-cost diet ideas and recipes. I really encourage all of you, if you haven't read The Better Brain, to check it out. It's just, um, sadly, we have thousands of people across the world who are researching how psychiatric medications affect the body and our mind, and there's only a handful, and Bonnie and Julia Rutledge are some of the most world's foremost experts, only a handful are researching how food affects the mind and the mental health area. So it's way overdue, but The Better Brain is a great book to check out. And I want to provide an example that Bonnie talks about a lot as it, you know, it pertains to this idea of God's design of how food interacts with our makeup. So here's a kind of interesting example, and that is around the chemical that we have heard of before called tryptophan. Tryptophan is found in turkey and other foods that we eat. It's a pretty common chemical in that way. And what the body attempts to do with, some, with tryptophan is it goes through a conversion process by which it eventually converts tryptophan to serotonin. And many of you may be aware of what serotonin is. It's, it is a neurotransmitter in the brain that's actually associated a lot with mood and depression. In fact, SSRIs, which stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor, attempts to elevate, increase, keep those levels of serotonin higher in the brain. But what the brain tries to do naturally is to take our food and convert it into, again, neurotransmitters like serotonin. But here's the kicker. Here's the really important thing is that conversion process, you know, of tryptophan to serotonin requires a number, a number of vitamins and minerals by which we defined last week as micronutrients to be effective. So when you lack the vitamins and minerals and the concentration that you need, 
you're actually reducing the brain's ability to convert that chemical and food into the neurotransmitter that we desperately need for our mood and well-being. And that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why it's so critical to get the micronutrients that we need. Because without it, as you can imagine, then of course serotonin levels are affected. And I would argue that one of the things we're finding out is that most people in the United States are significantly deficient in micronutrients, again, the vitamins and minerals. And it's probably one of the big reasons why our mental health problems are so significant, among other reasons. So as I reflect on my own journey, you know, it's been really a journey of the last 15 or 20 years to understand the aspect of food and mental health and just overall health and well-being. You know, for me, there was really two major impetuses that I've kind of alluded to before in this podcast to realize that I need to pursue understanding food as God ordains it. The first was when Zach and Emma, when my wife was pregnant with our twins over 16 years ago, and I recognized my health was not nearly what it needed it to be in going forward with this busy life, this significant calm, I realized that food was one of the areas I was kind of fooling myself. I thought I was healthy, but I really wasn't eating in a healthy way, nothing like I am today. And the second was, you know, as I, as I finally got in that first half marathon, as I told before in this podcast, and I gradually got into the endurance world, I discovered that food was actually quite phenomenal. And this is where, you know, again, you can kind of hear the excitement in my voice, but I went from food thinking it as something, well, I know it can taste good, or I know that food can be used in kind of a social way, or, you know, it's got this utility to provide calories. And suddenly, the more I read, the more I understood, and then the more my own experiences supported, was that food was, A, the easiest way to get healthier, even if I couldn't get out and exercise as much as I wanted or my sleep was disrupted as we had many young kids. Food was always something that was very accessible to get healthier. B, it was the easiest way to feel better. As I started eating better, I just felt better, right? And I think many of you out there have experienced this. C, it was one of the best ways to increase my immunity, right? To improve that. And we've seen a lot of research that supports that. And D, it was a huge aid in my recovery. And that, you know, I talk about, you know, the kind of the endurance world and some of the ultra marathons and the Ironman and other things I've done before. And certainly recovery in that way, it was an absolute necessity. But I'm even talking about just recovery from a difficult day. And for all of you out there who have no interest in being in the endurance world, it doesn't matter because we all have to kind of recover from stressful weeks and stressful days and just difficult circumstances that are unexpected that we can't control. And I started to recognize that, wow, food can help me recover. Food can help me wake up the next morning and feel much more ready for my day than if I wasn't eating well. And it was just an epiphany. It was an aha kind of experience. And then I started having kids and, and the research continued and I started learning even more about food and it has a, how it relates to our kids' mental health. And I found out that for kids especially, that the most significantly affected area when kids are limited in micronutrients or on the positive side, increase in micronutrients relates to their emotional regulation. <laughs> that, I mean, that's right. I don't know if you know this, but for kids, we are seeing that micronutrients are especially connected to emotional regulation. So think about this. If you're a parent, would you like for your kids to have less tantrums, decrease conflict, increase positive interactions? I mean, I don't know a single parent who wouldn't say, uh, absolutely, send me to wherever I can get that and how it can happen. And guess what? It can happen in our own home in the way that our kids eat. And again, 
it's okay. Our kids are going to have snacks. They're going to have things that they're going to indulge. The question is, what is their diet built on? Because as we talked about this previously, almost two-thirds of what our kids are eating in this country today are UPFs, ultra-processed foods, which are nothing like our kids need. And so do we wonder why our kids are struggling with emotional dysregulation? Do we wonder why depression, anxiety is increasing in our kids? Well, there's one easy reason why. It's because our kids are simply not getting the micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals that they really need. So beyond all that, though, as I was transforming in my own life and recognizing this incredible capacity that happens when we eat according to God's design, I began to recognize that it actually ties into something very dear to our faith. And for many of you growing up, you probably heard about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, right? These are particular acts, either from a spiritual side or kind of a a physical side in many ways, that we do for other people, that we do to help them um, in various ways. And as I started to kind of get into this even deeper, I, I recognized that, you know what? Have you ever thought, and I ask you this question, have you ever thought that one of the best gifts you can give to your loved ones, and for that matter, the others in this world in general, in accordance with God's design, is that of a healthy diet? Consider this. Consider the gift you can give pursuing a healthy diet. Number one, you increase the likelihood of longevity and decrease your mortality risks like cancer and heart disease. Number two, you increase the focus that you have every day on the things that are really important, the things that you need to do, the things that matter. Number three, you reduce the likelihood of irritability and emotional dysregulation. Number four, you increase your energy and your stamina. Number five, You increase the likelihood that you can think clearly and remember things better. And over the course of your life, you decrease the risk for dementia. Number six, your anxiety, as we know it, as it relates to food, likely goes down the healthier you eat. And number seven, you increase the opportunity to be active with the people that you love, whether it's your significant other, whether it's your kids, your grandkids, or your great-grandkids. When it comes down to it, I think we often think about food as a personal decision. But is that really true, right? Is it a personal decision or is it a godly one? I think that's the question we're asking here, right? Is personal decisions don't have impact on other people. But what we eat, and again, this is not about inducing guilt, but rather thinking about the opportunity to take this deeper, right? We talked ways back about change and going deeper and deeper allows all change to be possible, even if you don't think it is initially. And if we consider this to be not a personal decision, but a godly one, what opportunities are we opening up? Because at the end of your life, let's imagine this, if you're you're, you're to the end of your life and you're looking back over your life, right? And you're reflecting on your life as a whole. And you think about the presence that you had with other people. And presence, by the way, in many ways, we think about that as our personality you know, how we were, just the the way in which we kind of interacted. But, you know, presence is a lot of different things. And that includes not just our personality, but our level of enthusiasm, our energy, our attention, our emotionality. All these different things define the presence that other people experience from us. And so if you're at the end of your life and you're reflecting on the presence that you had with other people, what if you recognize all along, that food 
was a piece of that presence. That food and the, what you consumed, although not the, necessarily the only factor, of course, and maybe not even the most important one, but maybe the most controllable one, had much to do with how you were with other people and had much to do with the legacy that you left in this world. I think at the end of the day, when it comes to food and we are considering this and how it relates to God's design, this is the idea. He created something that we needed, that we couldn't go without. And then he created the same thing to be pleasurable and to bring us together. But at the end of the day, I think that probably the most important thing about food is what it allows to create in ourselves. How does it allow our capacity to grow according to God's design? And I'm not sure that if every, all of you have thought about that before, but, you know, again, reflecting on your entire life, what if food is one of the best ways to grow according to God's design? And one of the best ways to give an earthly gift to those we love. I think that's one of the things that probably has excited me the most in the last few years is I went from looking at food in a very utilitarian way early in my life, then eventually looking at food in a way that kind of like increased capacity. But now I think that what I most look at food as is a way of honoring God's design so that I can give to other people. So that when I have that extra energy, when I have that ability to focus even when things are difficult, when I have that ability to regulate my own emotions, and part of that is because of what I've eaten aligns with God and the way he intended, that's probably what most excites me these days. So wherever you're out there, next week we're going to talk about obstacles. But before we get to obstacles, let's just think of promise, right? Let's just think of opportunity. Let's just think of what if we use one of the most incredible gifts God has ever given to us in a godly way. This is Jim Schrader. Be holy, be whole.